Hello, and welcome to the final episode of our Gen Con recap. I'm Zach. And I'm Caitlin. And this is Gamer News. So as we've been going through all of our days at Gen Con, we are going to talk about fr- no Saturday and Sunday, since we didn't do much on Sunday. We're just going to wrap the two days up together. So the first thing we did on Saturday was a lot of buying of stuff. We went around and picked up quite a few items. Um, and, but the first game we played was Ghost Fighting Treasure Hunters, which was amazing. Yeah, they had a um, a couple games set up, but they had one where it was like a, a giant, like an extra big board. So It was a giant board. It mm-hmm. was the size of a kitchen table for this one game, which is a fairly small game. And the idea of this one is you were all like Scooby-Doo-esque kids treasure hunting in a haunted house. Trying to find all the treasures and take them down to the secret cellar where you will get to keep them all. However, to make this more complicated, the house is haunted. And you have to punch ghosts to get through and do this. Um, It's pretty simple. It's a roll to move. You roll dice to fight the ghosts. It's really simple, but it is the best co-op game I've ever played. And by that, I mean everyone it felt like we were a team and our like everyone's successes felt like successes for the team and everyone's failures were like it felt like the game not the people so like if something went wrong it wasn't like oh kaylin what'd you do you know you didn't win the game for us it's more like ah the dice got us you know the game's beating us but we can get better yeah it was super super fun um the people demoing it were really fun too um and that helped a bit um but so you're trying to collect gems and then you have to drop them off in alternating locations, which means you have to time things more precisely. And then as you roll, there's ghosts that pop up um, and a king ghost that moves around. And if you get too many ghosts in one area, then a haunt happens and you have to work with one of your other treasure hunters to get rid of the haunt in that room. Because um, if there you get too many haunts, then you lose. Um, and it's actually kind of difficult <laughs> uh, we but played, really really fun so i would say we are upper tier board game we're like we're, mo- we're all four of us that played are moderately above average you know like i wouldn't say we're like tournament level board game players but we, we have our wits about us and we've handily lost twice mm-hmm. but had tons of fun yeah it wasn't like it was one of those games where it's like you lose and you immediately want to play again. And I know people say that a lot about a lot of games, but this one genuinely feels like that. It wasn't one of those things where it's like, oh, look, you know, you played poorly. You're terrible at this game. We need to stop. It's more akin to like, oh, look, the rules didn't go our way. Next time we can get them. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We That was one of the games like we were, we, we played it and we immediately bought it. Like we played. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And you didn't even play the first game and you said we should get it. Yeah, it, it was fun to watch um, without even playing, which is not always the case with games. So Yeah, and that, it was just so good. It was, it's simple. It's very kid-friendly. You can all make your own decisions. You all, and like, it just made me invested in other people's turns in a way games never have. You know, like, mm-hmm. like there are some good games where it's like, there's games we play that are co-op, like, like Sentinels of the Multiverse. Like, I'm invested in what you guys do, but not to the level I was in ghost fighting treasure hunters where like your move drastically alters what i do and not in a bad way but like what happens on your turn determines what i do on my turn because new ghosts pop up or like there's different gems we need to pick up and there's just so much going on like if you succeed in fighting a ghost i don't need to go to that room now and it it was just so good 
Yep, that was a lot of fun. Um, the next game we played was also a co-op game. It was called The Captain is Dead Lockdown. So there's a co-op game called The Captain is Dead where it's got like a Star Trek feel. Your captain is dead, obviously. Um, and you're trying to maintain the ship after everything is like going wrong. Um, f- disclaimer, we have never played that game. Correct. We just sat down and played Captain's Dead Lockdown because we had heard good things about Captain's Dead and wanted to see how it was. So the premise of Lockdown is that after the captain is dead everything goes wrong you're able to like sort of fix it and then you crash land onto an alien planet and they take you captive um so in lockdown you're trying to escape yeah so you got to break out of this prison steal an alien spaceship and power it up and talking about hard games oh my goodness this is another one where it was not explained the best and we spent a good bit of the demo just kind of being like okay, what do we do? Because that's not super clear. So I would say if you're playing with people who have not played co-op games before or are just like hesitant about learning new games, I don't know if I would play with them just because it takes a lot of it. It's just like, well, guess and check. Like, let's try to unearth things in this room. And like, I guess I'll fight aliens in this room so I can maybe flip some cards and get where I need to go. Um, So I think that's it's one downside. But Otherwise, it's uh, a tough but fun co-op game. Yeah, it has a lot of variety, and there's it, it, the one the one str- thing where place where it struggles. I think is the pandemic thing, where if someone is really good at it, I can see them just taking over the entire game very quickly. Where it's like, oh, you need to do this, I need to do this, this other person needs to do this. But other than that, like I really liked it. It actually felt is a challenging co-op game. Yeah, in a way that like. When I first started playing board games, Pandemic felt challenging, and it doesn't anymore after playing lots of Pandemic, lots of co-op games, and Pandemic Legacy. Pandemic just doesn't feel difficult, mm-hmm. whereas this game has that feeling again where it's like, this is a hard game where you all have to be on point to win, mm-hmm. and then still you might lose. Yeah, so we ended up picking that one up as well, because we like co-op games, and we're looking for something that was challenging, but still fun, and not just like miserable. <laughs> Yeah, and we have a lot of co-op games that were like... We have a big gambit of co-op games that for different moods. And we wanted something that was more difficult and just focused on being co-op. Mm-hmm. Um, We also played Dinosaur Island, which I think would be my Gen Con 2018 pick for best game. <laughs> um, It is basically Jurassic Park the board game. Up until the point where like, if you don't protect your park well enough, dinosaurs will escape and eat people. <laughs> Which is awesome. <laughs> um, so it's this v- very, not very, it is a moderately complex worker placement-esque game where you're building up a dinosaur park, but it has four different, basically four different phases, and each phase is pretty different from the other, each other, but they all mesh together very well. So it feels like a, like a precisely balanced clock with how all of the gears mesh, mesh with each other. And, like, the first round of play, like, going through all four phases, everyone's just sitting there with, like, a blank expression on their face, like, what is happening? Like, I don't, none of this makes any sense. And then as soon as you finish the fourth fourth phase and go back, like, start the next set of them, everyone's like, oh, everything makes sense. I see how everything connects together. And it's, like, beautiful in the way it's designed. Any thoughts, Caitlin? Um, I would say if... 
Uh, in in my mind, it's kind of similar to Brewcrafters, and it, not in theming whatsoever. But if you like planning out the different phases that Brewcrafters has, where you're doing one part of the assembly in one phase, and you're managing research, and you're um, doing some worker placement, and kind of balancing your resources um, in order to buy things and do more complex things on later turns, um, then I think you would definitely like uh, Dinosaur Island. Um, it took me a little bit to get it and understand what I was trying to do in each phase. Um, but it is a really fun game. Like, even if you don't do well, like I haven't done particularly well when we've played it, but it is a fun and satisfying game to play because you get to like put little dinosaurs in your park and that's really fun. Disclaimer though, you've had people be eaten You've had multiple yes, people be I've, eaten every game. Yeah, I've determined that. Um, spoiler alert: having people be eaten is not a good, uh, a good thing to have happen when it comes to your score. So uh, don't do that, folks. <laughs> when it comes to your score, not otherwise. Yeah, not morally or anything. <laughs> uh, the only thing I will say that is a huge point in its favor is it ends at precisely the right time, where a lot of games either end like too late into you being like a machine. Or too early, like right before you get going. Like Brewcrafter suffers from that hard. Where the lat, like you want one more set of turns. Because like right when you finish Brewcrafter, you're like, okay, finally I'm about like one more turn. And I will be set up to like make this work well. Mm-hmm. Where in Dinosaur Island, it ends like right at that point. Like you get like, you know when the end's coming. So you have like one turn and everyone just gets to do all power turn. Where it's just like, you're like... You need to get, like, just enough resources and, like, plan out your meeple just perfectly, and it works. And everyone at my... When we played this recently, everyone at our table had that perfect end turn. Like, we all, like, okay, we we probably have one more turn just with how the game ends. You have to complete objectives. And we're, like, three of the four completed, and, like, people almost at the fourth objective. So we're all sitting there, like, okay, we got one turn. How can we optimize this? Mm-hmm. So it ends like right after you have this really satisfying like, yeah, I got all these cool dinosaurs in my park. I got all these people in my park. Um, right. And like, you just feel really successful like right before the game ends, which is a really good feeling. Yeah. Well, the last turn I ended up creating three. Like I'm like, okay, what I want to do is I want to create two big dinosaurs and then see what else I can do. Like if I can do anything. And like I got to create three dinosaurs the last turn. And, like, complete two objectives for points. And I'm like, mm-hmm. it felt good. And around the table, other people are having similar experiences of completing objectives or doing what they wanted to do. It wasn't just like, oh, our last turn was mass. Zach's winning. Because I wasn't winning at that point. I won by a point. Yeah, I think usually the score is pretty close. I think it was played. a 10-point spread in a game where we all had, like, around 70 to 80 points. Which is so... Mm-hmm. Which is not that much of a spread. Yeah, so it's it's a really fun, well designed game, and the the theming is just really fun too. They do a lot of nods to Jurassic Park, um, so if that's something you enjoy, um, definitely pick it up. The next game we played, Caitlin actually just played for the first time today. She didn't get to play it at Gen Con. We played a game called Railroad Rivals. So this game was being marketed heavily at Gen Con. It was on advertisements. It was on the floor ads. It was just mentioned everywhere it was a the company made it into a very big deal which was not a problem because it was really good but like everywhere you go it was just like do railroad rivals and they show this picture of basically an old-timey 
railroad tycoon except in like the like romanticized version not the actual terrible person version (laughs) like holding a train i'm like okay this looks like a ticket to ride s game where you get to deliver goods which is what i want in a game like a railroad game so if anyone has this game where you get to build the railroad and then ship goods on it please let me know i am looking for this game (laughs) i want it so bad (laughs) but so i'm like okay this is gonna be a ticket to ride game and it is not even kind of like ticket to ride at all in a nice way yeah in a nice way so what it is is you buy stocks and different cities and you connect these cities next to each other just by laying two city tiles next to each other and having a connecting railroad of the different types they're all based on historic railroads so you basically like if i have chicago and cincinnati they both have to connect through a like i have to match up the sides to say b and o and connect them up and not every railroad not every city has every railroad obviously because there's like 12 different railroads and there's only four sides to a square and some cities have even less or like will have multiple of the same railroad and you go through and then you get to deliver goods on your routes or other people's routes but that scores them points and you're like every time you use a railroad it bumps up the stock value so you're like looking at what stocks you have in front of you and you're like well i really want to push this stock further Mm -hmm. yeah so you're balancing um choosing stocks and looking at what stocks are doing well with um playing down cities and then shipping goods on routes that you have stock in and so then you're oh you're buying first place bidding but yes bidding (laughs) that's the word i'm looking for you bid for first place because that really allows like allows you the first pick of cities and stocks which can get really important but Um, you're bidding with points so it's like well going first is good but is it worth five points to go first right five victory points that will mean something at the end it's very different it has a very good stock market mechanic. Um, for peop- anyone who's played Tesla versus Edison, it's an, a simpler stock market than that. And so like, it feels good that way where it's just like, oh, look, the stock market. It's a good introduction if you like, really like Tesla versus Edison, but your friends are like, this stock market is confusing. It's a good place to start them being like, oh, here's like a stock market mechanic where it's not hard to figure out because stock always goes up. Every time you use it, it just goes up and it just gets them introduced to this concept before you start throwing in. Now it can go down as well and jump around and you're like, uh. Yeah. So, and it's it's not a long game either. It goes pretty fast. Um, so it's nice in that regard too. It's about an hour. Yeah. Regardless of the number of people you play with. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's fun. And we actually got it for like $2 because they were doing a promo where if you signed up to play... Um, using one of their generic tickets for $2, then you got to take home a copy of the game. <laughs> so that's what did. Yep, it was super nice. M- me, my sister, and Vinny all have a copy of that game right now. <laughs> Another game we play... Well, this game we my sister bought and then we played at home is Dracula's Feast, which is a really fun hidden roll game. Mm-hmm. You are all members of Dracula's Feast, which are all different monsters, and with it, so you all have a different power. The goal is you have to figure out who every other character is. It's a masquerade. And so you got to figure out who every other character is. And everyone has a power like a certain thing. So you can ask someone a question. You can ask, are you this person? And they'll give you a yes or no card and tell you that. You can dance with them where you both show each other your cards. So then you definitely know who everyone, the person is. They can't be like lying, which you can't lie unless your card tells you to. Or you can make an accusation where you flip your card and then guess everyone around the table. And if you're right, you win. And if you're wrong, you just keep going. But everyone knows who you are now. Mm Mm-hmm. So, like, certain cards, like, changes. Like, the trickster, whenever you ask her a question, will answer yes to everything. Or there's Alucard, who is Dracula, like, wants to be Dracula. He's, like, Dracula's cousin. He's like, I just want to be Dracula. So, if you ever ask him, are you Dracula? He'll just say, yes. 
I'm Dracula. Of course you want me to be Dracula. And if you accuse him of being Dracula, you win the game. Mm-hmm. Or he wins the game if oh, he yeah, gets sorry. accused of being Dracula. Sorry, he wins the game if you accuse him of being Dracula because he's so excited to be mistaken as Dracula. Just, right. The party's done because he's so excited. <laughs> that one was really fun. I really mm-hmm. enjoyed it. It was different than a lot of hidden role games. Yeah, I like it better than other hidden role games. Because we've played Coup a lot. We've played Masquerade a decent amount. I think because it's hidden role without just being all about bluffing. Because I'm not a huge fan of bluffing games. It's also hidden role where the goal is to find out who everyone is. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of like hidden role in Clue. Um, I think if you like piecing together things in Clue, the Dracula's Feast would be an enjoyable, uh, quicker game. Yeah, and it's it like it took it takes the hidden role thing on its head because a lot of them are so much like if you find out who someone is, like they're in your pocket. We're in this game and like. Or like they lose right, right like, away, like once you find somebody out, so then you're you've knocked people out. Like in coup, then you end up like sitting around waiting for the game to finish. And so Dracula's Feast doesn't suffer from that, which is nice. Right. And some the the one problem I did have with the game is some cards seem arbitrarily stronger than others. Yeah, because there's one where you only have to figure out the two people next to you. Yeah, the zombie only has to find the people next to him, but he can't dance with anyone. Mm-hmm. So it slows him down. The one that r- I thought was really bad is um, Von Helsing. All you have to do is find Dracula. If yeah. you find, if you accuse Dracula correctly, you win. Mm-hmm. So if you get lucky and like well, that happened- dance with Dracula, that, that happened to me once. That happened your for- first game. The first turn, it happened to be Dracula asked you to dance. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you're like, sure, why not? So you dance and you knew who Dracula was. So it's like, goes around the table to you. You're Dracula. I'm Van Helsing. Game right. over. And you're yeah. like, okay. Yeah. So that, I would say that's just one flaw. But otherwise, yeah. really fun hidden role game. And I feel like I feel like those problems dissipate with the more people you play with. Because you can play like with up to eight or nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it's It can be a pretty big party game. So like once you have like a big group of people... And then it's hard to keep track of people. Right. And like some people will be easier. Like the zombie will always be the same amount of difficult because they need either side of them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the people next to you can always just say, no, I don't want to dance. And then the zombie's just kind of like having to slowly guess every card in the game until he guesses right mm-hmm. with questions. Yep. So that was a fun one. Um, Another game, which we said we'd talk about in this one, is Root, which we played that night as well with my siblings. And it is amazing. This is this is something we kickstarted. It was, but it was it was another one that was a, like a Gen Con favorite. Like a lot of people, like I saw on a lot of like board game beaks, like Root was just very very popular. It, right, because it was kind of debuting at Gen Con, right? Yep, because we got ours in the week the weekend before Gen Con. So like we got it like Saturday, and Gen Con was the next Thursday. Um, we got it, and we got the expansion, and it is the the biggest problem with it is, or there's two problems with this game. I'm going to lead with. It's really long if people aren't invested. So like it's a two hour ge- two hour plus game usually. I think we've like ended right around like an hour fifty five both to- or all three times we've played it, mm-hmm. and it is impossibly difficult to teach. It is probably the steepest learning curve to any game I have, and that is because it is an entirely asymmetrical game. This means that every character plays a hundred percent uniquely. The one exception to this is you can have two people play a vagabond which is like one guy running around the forest beating up other woodland creatures <laughs> for fortune and glory. But so like there's like there, your different woodland alliances very akin to Mouse Guard or Redwall, that theming. And the cats are like the ruling class. And if you're them, you're trying to build buildings to get points. But the birds like were kicked out of the forest and they they get point They score like points of return based on the number of like territory they've reclaimed. 
And then you have the Woodland Alliance, who's all about like rising up from within these cat or bird areas and taking people out. Or you can play the Vagabond, who we talked about a little bit earlier, who is like, I'm just like someone who's like, I want to be a folk hero is their kind of goal. So they go around like helping different sides and fighting either and having like a good time, you know, completing quests. Or there's the otters who are like war profiteers who like, well, you can buy them as mercenaries or they can help you move up and down the river. Or there's like the lizard cult, which is all about like peace and harmony and converting everyone they see. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's a good game for people who like learning new games and are really into doing something totally different than everybody else at the table. It is not a good game for people who are new to board games or just not is into figuring out their own unique strategy. Right, because it's, it's one of those games where it's like a lot of times in games you'll have like the new person go last so they can see like three turns of what they're supposed to do. You know, that's what I do in most games where it's like, oh, like we played the game before, we'll go first just so you can see how a turn goes. In Root, that makes zero difference because everyone plays differently. Mm-hmm. Even and so the- it's hard to teach teach people if you have to you have to know every character well, like in order have- to teach somebody like teach a group of people who are all new to the game and so that kind of slows things <sighs> down and makes it difficult well like even something as simple as moving every character does it different with the exception of maybe the otters the otters might be similar to the cats i can't remember the otters but like the cats just can freely move as an action the birds have to play a card the Woodland Alliance have to has to use like certain cards from a certain different pool of cards. The lizards have to spend people. The vagabond has to spend boots. And it's just like, okay, so you can't even be like, this is how you move to someone. Or they can't be like, you move like this. And you're like, well, I'm a different character than you. You're kind of stuck. Right. And you're all trying to get points. Um, you're all trying to get to 30 points. But everybody scores points differently. So you have to figure out your own like pros and cons for your own character and like how to best score points and what's most important for that character in order to succeed at that um so once you feel like you get a handle of your character it's fun um but that learning curve is can be really steep and frustrating for people but for somebody like zach who loves learning games and likes learning new characters and having it be new over and over again and getting to like rediscover the game in that way. Um, it's really, really fun. Also, I just like love how asymmetrical it is because a lot of games say they're asymmetrical. And then what they mean by that is like, we're slightly different. Like it's like everything operates the same, except like we're doing different goals. The only other game that I found that like feels asymmetrical like this. Well, there's two games that feel very asymmetrical and one is Mysterium, which is, which is asymmetrical, but it doesn't really feel like it. Because it feels like it feels like asymmetrical, like how D and D is, where I wouldn't consider that an asymmetrical game. It's like someone just has to run the game, and that's kind of what it feels like in Mysterium to me at a certain point. And the other game that is truly asymmetrical is Android Netrunner, and the problem with that is there's only two players, and I really liked it, except it's now going out of print. So yeah. <laughs> so this is something that's truly asymmetrical for more than two people but right. it plays really well as two people yeah it worked too. really well because we played with the birds and the cats and it worked really well mm-hmm. and that was quite fun for the two of us yep i had a great time learning those characters it's a good way to start as well because then you can learn the easier characters mm-hmm. and then next time you play you and your friend can pick harder ones and then you can teach two new people the birds and the cats which are by and large the easiest factions to play mm-hmm. um and that's everything we did on saturday 
um, Sunday, we really weren't going to go in. We just wanted to pick up a few things. Some of my sisters had some last minute purchases they wanted to get. And on our way out, we found we played the game I Would Fight the Dragon Butt. <laughs> and it was a bluffing game. And Caitlin, Caitlin's experience, or ended up liking it in the end, right? Yeah. But she will go, we go up to this thing. This guy's like, who wants to fight the dragon? And I'm like, okay, the, like, why not? You know, we're on our way out. Zach it, loves dragons. So I'm like, okay, fine. Like, Yeah, Caitlin's like, okay, fine. We'll do this. I, we were on our way out, but I wanted to leave. And then he's like, okay, this is a bluffing game. And she's like, all right, fine. Okay. Can we just leave? <laughs> <laughs> and then it's this really weird game. So there's a, there's a, you're each dealt a hand of cards and there's a pot in the middle of cards where you you'll say i would fight the dragon but and then you make them an excuse of something you don't have and you put a card into the pot like i don't i would fight the dragon but um my armor has been carried away by bandits and so- or my wife is using my sword as a sewing needle <laughs> and you know i don't want to interrupt her sewing you know because she's making pants for the town <laughs> so and you have stuff like that but then if someone calls your bluff you have to pick up the pot in the middle, and if there is whatever you said you didn't have, so if we were going with the sword one, if there's a sword in that thing, they're like, hey, I found your sword, and then they give you an extra card from the pot. So the pot will, like, it starts with, like, four cards in it or something, and it will diminish as time goes down. Mm -hmm. And the goal is, once you have all five items in front of you, you lose. Mm -hmm, Because you're, like, totally equipped to fight the dragon. Everybody's found your stuff. You could go fight the dragon and sacrifice yourself for the town. Yeah, and like the fun part about it is it's a bluffing game where the goal is to not lose. The goal isn't to win. Yeah, and you're bluffing about... It's like the reverse. Usually in bluffing games, it's like if you have the thing that you say you have, you're good. But in this, it's like you don't... You never want to have the thing that you say you have. And you don't want it to be in the pot either. So you're kind of... It's sort of a memory game in that regard and like a probability thing based on like how many cards are in there um and if you remember somebody else has like put something in and revealed it um so it's a little twist on usual bluffing games the one concern i did have with it is that in it no one really wants to call a bluff and like except for the people who already have cards so like as cards start to stack up on you it's just like an avalanche yeah like because the part like around our table one person had one card there was five of us i think one person had one card one person had two cards and then the other person lost with five and the rest of us had zero. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this seems a little unbalanced and it might be better if, if we played multiple games of it, mm-hmm. but it is a, one of the ones we did not end up purchasing. It like, it looked like a cute game, but there's only so far that can go. Mm-hmm. And I think that's basically everything we did at Gen Con. Yeah. So that was right. our whirlwind, our whirlwind tour through all of our, uh incredibly nuanced opinions <laughs> i mean i have a lot of board we, we went over this recently where i have over 60 board games before mm-hmm. gen con and then we bought a lot more <laughs> a lot being relative i the people that i found crazy were thursday at like noon so it's been open for like two hours they're like yeah i spent 200 300 already and i'm like how <laughs> there are things i knew i wanted to buy and i barely spent that much yeah but uh, we had a really good time. We are ha- super happy with all of our purchases. To recap, what did we buy? Rise of Tribes, The Captain's Dead Lockdown. Dinosaur Island. Dinosaur Island. Railroad Rivals. Railroad Rivals. Technically. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, sort of a freebie. Uh, ghost Fighting Treasure Hunters. And Ghost Fighting Treasure Hunters. And technically Root. 
Yeah, which was a Kickstarter. Right. So like we got it at the same time everyone at Gen Con got it more or less. Yeah. But all solid choices. So if you went to Gen Con, tweet us your favorite uh, Gen Con play. Also, if you liked Coimbra, please tell me, (laughs) message me why. I want to understand because everyone apparently loved it. And I played a round of it and I was like, "Mm, I don't like this. I don't (laughs) like this at all. So really, please, I want to have like a discourse about this and like not mean like I don't want to just sit in there and hate on it. Like I want to understand what I'm missing because there's something I'm missing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And yeah, that's all for our Gen Con 2018 recap. Until next time, keep wondering. Bye. Bye.